This is a horror podcast. It exists to provoke and alarm and unnerve. None of us will judge you if you turn away. But if you wish to proceed, it's your choice. Yours and yours alone. There is no God. Love is impossible. There is no escape from a cold, uncaring universe. Love is a lie. God is your enemy. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. And we return to where we have always been. The town, the crowd, the eyes. Episode 75. They've come to paint the doors again. Rumbling and bubbling happily to itself, the kettle sends out a whistling cheek full of steam that tickles the cheese plants, that runs under shelves in spectral waves. He steps into the kitchen where he hears the kettle click, an older man and weathered in light blue shirt and faded jeans, his hair a thatch of slate and grey thinner at the crown, and with a bristling roll of charcoal hair upon his lip, he makes his daily brew with almost silent economy. There is naught but the fragile tinkle of the spoon, circling the cup. Then, the one-two chime that knocks it dry. Standing in the kitchen, stout-legged at the sink, he salutes the mists of morning with the base of his cup. Swallowing sweetly pleasing tea, he sighs. (sighs) What colours will he paint today? Ceramic warm on knuckles and trailing a wisp of steam, he slowly ascends the stairs. Step by careful step. Grimacing, he eyes the cup. Oh. Filled it too full. Teasing hot stuff bumps the lip, sends a bulb of liquid brown down the curve of cup to hang. Belly shaking for a second before, it hits the carpet. The landing gained, he softly knocks upon her door. Love, are you awake, love? Beyond, something like a yawn or wordless whisper, he puts his head around the door. There the air is warmed and scented by long days of confinement, where breaking folds of dawn light make gelidera honey wax, coming through curtains thick and soft. On blankets, framed in widening shafts, she lies in monochrome, hair black, skin white, grey scoops holding the wet and tired bruises of her eyes. Morning, Dad. She whispers, dimpling thin cheeks with a smile. A hand slips out from duvet and inclines an open-palmed hello. He returns the gesture. Morning, love. How are you feeling? Fingers run the soft arm of a teddy bear. I think I'm on the mend, Dad. I haven't felt as good all week. He closes the door behind him with a heel. That's good, love. That's, That's good to hear. I brought you some tea, if you feel up to it. He places the mug upon the bedside table. The slither of tea beads on the wood, then sits. Her limbs are the merest suggestion under the covers. His flat, dull fingers work a strand of hair behind her ear. How did you sleep last night? Well, I slept well. Three, maybe four hours. But when he says nothing, when he looks at her with heavy eyes, she turns away. Long-lashed shadows in her pitted cheeks. Two. 
nearly two. The tea steams. But I, I feel much better. I think I could even walk into town. She looks at his sombre face. Dad, I feel like... like trying. <clears throat> I, uh, I don't think that'd be a good idea, Pat. He reaches out a hand, but she moves her face away. In that long silence sounds his phone. A buzzing rattle in that close space. I have to take this. We'll talk when I get back. Get some rest, love. But she has turned her back to him. Has shrugged under the covers, leaving nothing of herself that he can see. And tea has gone untouched. He looks at her, tiny, still. Softly he closes the door. Descending the stairs, he answers the phone. He is told where he needs to be. Walter Sold is waiting when Tom stops by the mouth of the estate. Grinning, the little man strolls away from the police car, waving them on. The butt of a cigarette cupped in his hand and newspaper folded under one arm. He thumbs the brim of his cap as the window is wound down. As the guards drive away. Morning, Tom. Walter. The little man points with the ragged newspaper. Number 26, Tom. Second there on your right. Number 26. I can't say I know them. Ah, you do, Tom. The butcher and his wife. Second wife, that is. Aye, kids. Two. Boys. Twins, as a matter of fact. Tom shakes his head. Let's loose a tired breath. Walter fixes his cap. It's a red job, Tom. Oh, may the Lord of mercy on them. What happened, Walter? Well, they're keeping that hush-hush. Just told me the colour. Fair to say something came through. Tom folds himself out of the van. The side door rolled open with a clunk. He retrieves a yellow-handled brush, a sweating tin of bright red paint. He passes Walter with a curt nod. And Tom? He turns. Don't listen to whatever's behind the door. With a jolly thumbs up and whistling, Walter saunters away. Standing by number 26, stout-legged in front of the door, Tom daubs the white wood with the head of his brush. A swathe of crimson wax glistens with each stroke, bleeds a cage of lines that creeping beat upon the pavement. As Tom works the brush in stabbing dabs around the handle, around the taped-up letterbox, a mother and child leave the house next door. He nods a greeting, dips the tip of the brush in red. But when the mother sees the half-painted door, sees those vivid waxen strokes, she stops in an instant whitened, gripping her child so tight it screams they cross the road and hurry on their way. Tom turns back to paint the door and tries not to listen. For beyond it there are noises. Something rhythmic, something soft and heavy landing, something sliding, slithering on wood. And a voice neither male nor female, saying something. Tom finds it hard not to listen, especially when it calls his name, when it offers him things. His hand falls and rises, slathering, covering every inch of white. Chemicals scald his nostrils with their stink. He paints the door red. And everyone in town knows what that means. Lunchtime now. 
Sitting in his van as unregarded cars drone past, Tom eats cheese sandwiches. Paint smells making them taste like warm plastic and picks at a crossword with the point of a pen. Seven down. Study of monstrous abnormalities. Ten letters. Begins with T. Ends in Y. Well, chances are the last part is ology. The letters scratched in little boxes seem to fit. He grabs his phone. Cracks it open. Hey, Where are you, Tom? Walter's voice. Just beyond Trevor. We've another one. <laughs> we do, we do. Johnstown Lane. Fifth on the left. You'll see me. On me way. Walter is sitting on the pier when Tom arrives. <laughs> we meet again. People will talk. Another red, Walter. Aye. Many in the house? Just the one. But one's enough. That's something at least. Self-inflicted, I suppose. <laughs> at first, anyway. Take care now. With a beaming salute, Walter turns, crunching back down the drive. Tom looks up. Enclosed by trees, the house is tall and slate grey. Its windows filthy, gutters streaming brown with cavernous jardinier by a slant-pillared portico. And the double doors are white metal, inset with coloured glass. Flowers and birds in blue and gold. One by one, they are painted red. Each petal, every feather. And kneeling by the letterbox, Tom hears. Slow, measured, thumping. Something pulling itself down the stairs, hitting every step on the way. And a voice, like meat sizzling, buzzing like a dying fly. Tom, Tom, Tom. Don't look through the letterbox. Don't look. And gritting his teeth, he splashes red in the eye of the last glass bird, gathers his things and leaves. And trees seem to lean close, seem to seal away the sky. He hurries. Go home. Check on her. A sudden loud buzz stops him halfway down the path. Oh God, it got out. But no, just his phone. Taking a breath, he answers it. Yeah? Tom. Walter. A pause, a breath, a breath, and... Tom. Something wrong, Walter. There's another one. Another... Red. Where, Walter? Something... There was something in her, Tom. Something cold in Tom's stomach. Answer me, Walter. Where? Go home, Tom. The phone dies. And now Tom stands at his own front door. Only this morning... Only three hours ago. Walter stands before him, arms outstretched. Tom, look at me, Tom. She's in there! Tom tries to get past. Walter pushes back. Tom, it's a red case. A red case, there's nothing, anyone... Tom lunges for the door handle, but the little man snatches at his hand, pulling it. Don't you kill us, you'll kill hundreds, Tom, hundreds! Growling deep in his throat, Tom presses forward and little Walter bunches his hand into a fist, swings at Tom's jaw, knocks him to the ground. Walter looks at his fist, suddenly pale. Sorry, Tom. 
Sorry. Sorry. And Tom just sits there, mouth opening, mouth closing. His voice comes now, a cracked, defeated thing. She was feeling better, Walter. The little man helps him to his feet. Tom. Tom, I know, Tom. Why did it choose to come through her? You've got to listen to me. There's no decision here, Tom. We have to paint the door. We have to let people know. Tom's blunt fingers rub behind his ear. Was that something I did? Something I should have done? Shh, Tom. Come on now. Walter picks up the paintbrush, puts it in Tom's hand and curls his fingers around the handle. Hold it. Hold it. Fingers tighten and Walter guides the hand, plunging the paintbrush into bright red. Bristles break the surface, dip and rise again, dangling crimson strings, striping fingers, streaking wrists. Do your job, Tom. Paint the door. Ah, Lord. No, no. Even strokes. Even strokes. The guided hand slashes paint right to left, splashing vivid spots upon the pavement, upon their shoes and trouser legs. Good. Good. They stand before the front door and Tom holds the paintbrush and Walter holds the paint and both can hear soft sounds beyond. Crockery breaking, splintering wood. Something thumping along the ground, getting closer. Followed by the pattering of far too many little feet. And then, her voice. Walter drops the paint. It slops over his shoes. He grips Tom's arm. Don't listen. It's not her anymore. Da. Da. Why is this happening to me, Da? Why are you letting this happen? The head of the brush slowly strokes along the door, sends bulbs of red slicking slow tongues down the wood. The smell of it. Stinging eyes unmerciful, making things taste wrong. Da, I'm scared. Walter, Walter. Movements in the hallway, the voice, the running feet. Still his wrist is held and it slashes along the door right to left, left to right until it's done. It's done. Tom lets the paintbrush fall. Something softly thumps against the other side of the door. Tom presses his hands against the wet wood. Slowly, paint rises through his fingers. Leave me. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. Walter hovers silently. He reaches out. Leave me! Leave me! Just leave me. He presses his forehead into the red. Finally, Walter walks away, cradling his fist. For a long time, Tom stands there, hands resting in drying paint. Why are... Why her? And it calls. Da! 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 His fingers hover. 
over the wet paint, over the handle. Da! Da! And down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down Below the Reservoir is written by Graeme Tugwell and performed by Sarah Maria Griffin, Dave Rudden, Deirdre Sullivan and Graeme Tugwell. This podcast is recorded and sound designed at Displace Studios Dublin and produced by Rebecca Gimblet. Down Below the Reservoir is a work of fiction and any resemblance to places or people living or dead is purely coincidental. A new episode of Down Below the Reservoir is available every two weeks through iTunes, Stitcher and at downbelowthereservoir.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter and our Patreon crowdfunding campaign. Only through your support and donations is Down Below the Reservoir made possible. Join us. And remember, everyone drinks the water here.